out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the singer-performer. Songwriter is the one and only Ginger Coyote, who was in a band titled White Trash Debutantes. Yes, indeed, that was from the mid-80s to the present day. And uh, this is the interview to find out more about life, love and poetry and all that other groovy stuff. So anyway, after several minutes of interest and both casual chat, we get down to an exciting subject that was the musical awakening when everything changed. Anyway, Ginger, it's over to you. Um, the Ramones. Right. The Ramones were because the ones. They're, they're, they're amazing. Yes. They never sold out. They were always fun. And it was good pop music. And I ended up becoming very good friends with Joey Ramone. Yes. And he like supported my band. And I can't even mention my name, the band of my band's name. I can't even write it on Facebook or Instagram because it's called White Trash Debutantes. And they say that it's hate. Yes, interesting. Never mind. I got restricted because I was going to, um, I wrote in a comment on Facebook that I might be going to see Cracker at in um, Joshua Tree. Yeah. To somebody that lives in Joshua Tree. And they, um, uh, they restricted me for um, 20 days. Blimey. It's a tricky one, isn't it, really? I know there was a band in the 80s, I mean, they're still going, called the Sex Gang Children. I think they've had to slightly work on that name a bit now. because um, Yeah, then... I've heard of them. I, I don't, I, you see, I think that I'm getting it because of white trash. Yes, white trash is and, potentially uh, going to trigger people. Is a, is a slang word for white people. Oh, okay. Yes, um, I did not know that, but now I'll make a note. Yeah, but a look, lot of blacks, call, a lot of black Afro Americans call um, call um, white people crackers. Oh, okay, nice. And wow. so I, I got it on both ends for being white trash and also, um, uh, you know, being black and saying I was going to go see cracker. <laughs> yes, this is. I you know we have to be so I'm careful. I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. I know it's it's the it's the way of the world. But so when you were growing up, were your parents at all in you know influential in your any musical? Oh direction? no 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 no! I grew up. I finished. Um, I finished. Um, you know, driving instructing classes, and then I moved to Minnesota, and I got a I got my high school diploma and two years of college in Minneapolis, and then I moved to San Francisco, where I lived there for a long, long, long time, and hung out at the Mabuhe Gardens oh and God. met people there that were like my mother and uh, my father and people like that. Dirk, the guy who booked the nab, was my dad. And then there was a woman named Lenore, a real cool chick, who was, she said she was 39, but in actuality, she was 89 and she wore a derby hat. And the first time I ever met her was in the bathroom. And she said, I just love the Berlin brats. And I turned around and it was her. And I go, you like this kind of music? And she goes, oh, it's like a shot of adrenaline to me. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and so, you know, we ended yes. up becoming friends. And she became like kind of someone who took care of me. If I was low in cash, she took me out to dinner or something like that. And, and stuff like that and then I, I had her in the band for a while too but then she had bad health so she couldn't travel no. we got another old lady that was 78 78 nine years old and she was able to travel and she had fun she uh, had she dyed her hair pink and all that stuff and went under the name punk rock caddy so we were able to have a lot of fun Yes, absolutely. Because actually, there's been quite a few albums released recently that have been recorded at that venue that you just mentioned, Mabuhe Gardens. And... Oh yeah, I I I I I don't I I 
Dave from MDC, Millions of Dead Cops, released a benefit um, CD for Uruguay, or not Uruguay, but for, um, uh, you know, where the the Ukraine. And so um, I we put uh, Hey Nick, which is written for Nick Trina, the son of Danielle Steele, right. the romance novelist. Her she her son was into a punk was in a punk rock band, and me and him used to hang out. And so I wrote a song called "Hey Nick, You Did Okay." Yes, <laughs> and I wrote for her book called "His Bright Light" right. for her. Yeah, it, it, it was her only serious book that ever she ever released, and her not it was the only nonfiction, and um, it was uh, called. Her, his bright light, and it was about his life and about him being bipolar and addicted to drugs. He was at one point a heroin addict, and then he got clean and everything was fine. And I got this call from him like, he used to call me at three and four, two, three, four o'clock in the morning and talk for a couple of three hours and tell me all this stuff. And I got this call from him and I missed it. And then in the morning, uh, I was watching TV, and I go, romance novelist, Daniel Steele's son, dead. And so then I found out that uh, he had just finished the show and decided to do the same amount of heroin that he had done before, and he died. My God, that is horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, he was only 18, 19 years old when he died. He was a really sweet boy. Um this happened like in the late 90s or the mid 90s. Um, and from then, Danielle has always become a really close friend of mine. And I've gone to her house and for parties and for um, also I, for the Shed Wake and Gavin Newsom, the governor or the um, mayor of San Francisco or governor of California was there and Nancy Pelosi who was the head of house was there because they're all friends of hers and so it was fun to meet all them yes <laughs> I, you know yes I was with the big wigs <laughs> you were with the big wigs on that one my god but that's a sad story isn't it so um, yeah but yeah look. Nikki was really good he 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 was a big fan of mine because we were on Jerry Springer, and I don't know if you know Jerry Springer's show, yes. but um, we were on there with the um, with the seventy nine year old punk rocker that had the pink hair, and she we performed, and of course he has plants in the audience that tells everybody you know freaks and all that stuff, and look at you, you're a bunch of degenerates and stuff. But then, you know, but then we had our people in the audience that were standing up for us, which was nice. But Jerry Springer was very, very nice. We were on there twice, and so he, I in the song I wrote, but uh, I go, you were never, you were never at a loss. But when it came to the talk shows, you knew Jerry Springer was the boss. Your eyes uh, never boring, bland, or mild. You did it with style. You did it in your own way. Hey, Nick, you did okay. Amazing. And um, that's what uh, I wrote that about it. But yeah. Danielle didn't. Danielle in the book did not want to. Uh, did not want to put in there about Jerry Springer. And then because uh, because uh, uh, he asked me if I uh, I used to hang out with Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys, and he was always interested in Biafra, and he wanted to know if I knew where he lived. I said yes, and then. And then he was going on and on. Oh, I want to meet him. I want to meet him. And I said, your mother is Daniel Steele, the richest woman in San Francisco. And you want to meet Jello Biafra? <laughs> yes. And uh, there you go. It's amazing. And um, yeah, she's still a, she's still with us, isn't she, Danielle, I believe? Uh-huh. She, she moved to, I think, she lived on Octavia Street in San Francisco at the old uh, Spreckles building. It was a really beautiful place. It had like three or four different stories. I think on the bottom was the garage where she parked all of her cars. And then they had a, a um, pool. And then they had a play a, a floor that was with all these kind of like games, video games and, and all that stuff. And then 
and they had at the main floor that everybody lived the state on, but it was like mammothly big. Yes. It was it was a very beautiful home. Nice. And uh somebody said that they had heard that she had moved to France. I haven't tried calling her, but she she does email me and she sends letters, but I, I haven't I mean, she used to send me letters I know from San Francisco. I the last one I think was from France. She was living there. Yes. Well, there you go. So it's probably a nice a nice Yes, change. I'm really happy to have her for friends. She sends she sends me uh two dozen red ro- or black roses and, and red roses on my birthday. Oh, that's so sweet. That is so nice. So Yeah, she told me that she invited me to write for the, his bright light, and she said that Nikki was love me, and that he she wanted to be involved with the the book, and and I did write about Jerry Springer, and he she wasn't all keen on that. She said maybe we can take out a say say something else other than you were never at a loss, and then say you knew your mom was the boss or something instead of Jerry Springer. Yes, absolutely. Did you um when you were sort of younger though, what was your first concert that you went to when and sort of first couple of gigs that that um got you very excited about music? Well, um I of course went to see Mott the Hoople, who I loved. Uh Ian Hunter and Mick Ronson and um uh, well Mick Ronson was in Ian Hunter's band, but um um, I love Nick Ronson and David mm. Bowie. Let's spend the night together. I was I met Nick Ronson and and uh, hang out and hung out with him in his hotel room. He was a very very nice guy, very sweet, very nice. I, one of my favorite people that I've ever met. Yes, everyone does like dear old Mick. I've got a nice. There's been a new Ronald, <laughs> Ronald David, who produced um, Lou Reed's Transformer album, which was quite an amusing kind of story. Because I don't think Lou could understand anything Rono was saying because he had quite a thick accent based in you know because he came from a, a, a northeast town called Hull. And um, oh, really? Yes. And they've got real thick accents. Yeah, there. I mean. Yeah, I mean, Lou, Lou just found it kind of amazing, a bit sort of like, who's this guy? And and also, Rono couldn't understand Lou because often his guitar wasn't properly sort of tuned and thinking, you know, this this is... He had heavy. also really bad hearing problems. And my friend Kathy Peck, who does uh, hearing awareness for rockers in, uh, up in San Francisco, she builds ear molds and she also cleans ears and she cleaned Lou Reed's ears and the wax that came out of his ears was like about three inches four inches deep well he must have been um he must have suddenly could have heard a, a person whispering from 50 yards um so do, yeah so you went to see Mott the Hoople did you see any other many other bands during that period oh I saw all the, I used to hang out go to all the shows um I, 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 I uh, went to Winterland and to the Mabuhik at the time and and the on Broadway um I uh they, I, I met Lou Reed I went to see him once during that Sally Can't Dance um um tour and he had the blonde hair and uh I was with June Pointer from the Pointer Sisters backstage and um we were talking to him and he invited us over to his hotel room at the Miyaka Hotel. And so we I went over there and June ended up I don't know where she maybe she was hanging around McGrants and I can't remember. She did she wasn't at the hotel room but my neighbor who lived next door to me who hardly even spoke to me his name was nelson slater and he was from new york and lou had produced him and so we became best friends that night and he and we ended up taking a cab home together after being up all night partying with lou and that was quite fun lou was a very nice guy Yes. Well, that sounds that sounds good. So as the as the you know seventies finished and the eighties appeared, like an interesting dream. Um, you know, in the in the UK, I mean, there was there was quite a sort of a kerfuffle because in seventy nine, you know, Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher gets 
to be the Prime Minister of, the, of Great Britain and is there for the next 10 years plus and um, has quite a strong ethos about politics. And then there was we had the Falkland War, we had the miners kind of strikes. There was, a, you know, a lot of poverty and unemployment at that stage. What was the... Oh, I know. I was friends. I, I hung out with Nick Jones from the Clash also and they'd written all the, you know, uh, all the stuff. And recently met Johnny Rodden. He was in a, a thing called, a documentary on epics called Punk. And they had a party for it. And I went to it with Jersey Cotton and, and uh, who did that song, Johnny, Are You Queer? Right. And, uh, and um, Johnny Rotten was there. John Lydon was there. And he was really, you know, he started a fight with Henry Rollins. He started a fight with Marky Ramone. It, it was it kind of like he was getting, he got drunk and put on a show. And I guess um, the people that put on to it, my friend Suzanne was getting him all tanked up with booze. And so she got him into that thing. But apparently it made all the news, some of the arguments and stuff that he got into. But, um, he got into something with um with uh, Danita Sparks from L Seven and uh, and Danita handled him so good. She goes, "Hold it down, Tiger, and let's talk nice." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Well, he, yes, dear old Johnny, a bit of a chap, isn't he? But then, but I, mean... I do admire that the fact that he um stayed with you know, Nora through yes. the dementia. I know, Although was... I'm, yeah, 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 she, she was an heiress too because she had all that Stern magazine and all that, all those things. She had money. <laughs> she had a lot of money, didn't she? Yes, I know that was um, interesting. Yeah, they, I know it's a, a weird one. So it's the early what? Well, so the early eighties. Did when did you sort of feel the urge to form a band at this stage? Um, I formed a band because Joey had told me I should put together a band, and so. I got Billy Gould, the bass player from Faith No More, to play with me. And Lynn Perko, who was the drummer for Sister Double Happiness, was on drums. And um, who else did I get? Uh, I've had Margaret Cho, the comedian in the band. Um, Jerry Finelli, another comedian, keyboard player. Uh, Laura Milligan was a comedian that lived with Margaret and Jerry. And... Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Margaret Cho, but she's a Korean co comedian. Yes. and um, <laughs> She's the one that is always going about her mother. And, and then she, my favorite, and also about the facts of life. She did this, and she said that uh, her mother, like, grabs, used to grab her arm and stuff and hold on to it. And they were in this bad section of San Francisco and that, uh, that she asked her mother why she didn't grab her arm and hold on to her, and she goes, "Because they might uh, think we're gay. We're gay, Margaret. Oh, Moran, they can't think we're gay." And, then, and Margaret said, "And you're the best I can do." <laughs> <laughs> yes, interesting. Yes. Nice. Well, that must have been you know, quite good. Funny. So, what, so when she said that's more funny because she she has a, you know that thick Korean accent. Yes, absolutely. So, so was it the sort of mid '80s that the band started to form? And um... mid late, yeah, mid late '80s, '89. We we played with T.G. Allen at the Covered Wagon, and then for our second show, we went to New York and played a show for Jerry Ramone. It was on, uh, it was for his uh, Circus of the Perverse show, and um, it was with um, Lemmy. Was the headmaster, and then Joey Ramone, and Daniel Ray, and Marky Ramone, and Chris C.J. Ramone, I think, was there too. And um, who else? Oh, the Psycho Sluts from Hell. Um, oh, the Throbs. Uh, Debbie Harry and Christine performed. It was an all-star lineup. It was, it was great. Yes. I was in, I was like downstairs and BB Buell performed and she sang Peace of My Heart. 
and it sounded just like Janis Joplin. And it was so eerie. And I was I was downstairs and are we really here? And then we went and rehearsed. We did a uh, we did a cover of Middle Red Riding Hood and that song by Gary Glitter, Come on, come on. Uh, yes. I'm the leader, I'm the leader, the leader of the band I am. I'm the leader. We did that cover and we were in Montana rehearsal studios and Lemmy, Cheetah Crow, Steve Vaders, and um, B.B. Buell, and um, who, oh, Ronnie Spector. They were all in the room, and it was like I was in a dream. <laughs> How can I be here? <laughs> who am I? That must and then have I realized been. they all wanted to meet me, and I was going, why would you want to meet me? And they go, because you're legendary, and we know who you are. And I go, oh, how nice. That was sweet. Yes, absolutely. And what was Lemmy like? As um, did you get to? Lemmy was really funny. He was uh, he, he was inside and he was doing speed with Cheetah, and uh, inside the studio. And then they were outside. And I think Entertainment Tonight or one of those like news shows was outside the studio, and they were asking and they, and they were asking him about his speed addiction, and they were he said, "I haven't tested stuff for over ten years." <laughs> Excellent. And did it? And did it? Was it a kind of a, a sort of a a commercial? Not commercial. A a, a creative success. Oh, it was. It was sold out at the Ritz in in Hollywood. I mean, in New York, it was a sold out show. It was so much fun. Yes, absolutely. I could imagine. And then, as the band developed, who you know, how did you start to develop your kind of sound, and then sort of get to? Um, well, I've always been into you know into the New York Dolls and and everything, and I remember I was friends with uh, Candy Del Mar from the Cramps, and she invited me to one of the Cramps shows. It was like this thing that Ian Asbury was putting on called The Gathering of the Tribes done in, 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 over in Caroline Amphitheater, and I went to that. And I saw Ian Asbury. They had this long black hair, and it was with iced tea and all that stuff. Been, uh, yeah, with iced tea, and uh, I was scared of him. I, 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 and later on, I was at Liv Tyler's birthday party, and Ian Asbury was there, and he had all short hair and everything. And he goes, he goes, uh, I go, what's your name? He go, Ian Asbury, and I go, you're Ian Asbury from. Uh, from uh, that did the gathering of the tribes, and you had the long hair and all that stuff. And he goes, yeah, and I go. Man, I was so scared of you when I saw you with iced tea there. You were standing and you had that long coat on. And I just walked away because I didn't want to, I thought he was handsome, but I didn't want to speak to him because I was scared. But Iggy yeah. Pop was there and I got to meet him. And uh, I met Iggy's son, Eric, who's like tall. Oh, God. And very handsome. Um, he was he liked the cramps and he used to come see us, too, when we played. Um it was a fun show. It was a really good. I um, and Kurt Loder from MTV was there, and he asked for me to ask if I would could if he could interview me for wow. MTV. And I said, "How do you know who I am?" And he goes, "Everybody knows who you are." And so he interviewed me for MTV, and he asked me about my influences, and I told him that Ripper to Shreds from Blondie, because I love Debbie Harry, and that she could do no wrong and she was God. Yes, absolutely. I know um, that was my second single I ever bought was Denis Denis by Blondie, which had... Um, I oh, think the... yes, and, and, and uh, Philippe Marquet helped translate that into French for them. Yes. He recently died. Oh, right. Yeah, it had the B-side of something like Kung Fu Fighting and um, Contact in Red Square, which was, you know, I thought, again, B-sides were looking good. So I when love you... Debbie. Debbie. Debbie is the sweetest girl you'd ever want to meet. So is yes. B.B. Buell. Um, they're both, and Jane County I love. <laughs> I, I like all of them. And Cherry Vanilla I love. Yes. Um, um, I... Uh, 
The only person that I had a problem with is that I was going out with Jim Carroll. You know, I don't know if you know who he is or not, but he did that song called Those Are the People That Died, Died. They were all my friends, but they died. And and he wrote a book called Diary of a Basketball Hero, and it won a Pulitzer Prize. And Leonardo DiCaprio was in the movies. And so... Jim and I were hanging out, and he took me to see Patti Smith. And Patti Smith threw me out of the backstage area. And she also threw Ivan Crail's girlfriend out. And she goes, I don't want any chicks back here. And I thought, I'm sexist. I thought she was supposed to be all feminist and stuff and not, you know, cool to everybody. And, like, she, she, like threw both of us out and let the guys stay. And Jim Carroll got mad at her and left. He said, come on, let's go. And I go, yeah, let's do. Fuck that bitch who wants to be around her. (laughs) I don't know if you could swear, but... (laughs) No. Well, I know that I think Penny Arcade, I remember doing an interview with her, and I think she'd had a few moments with um, Patty, which were a bit tricky. So, um, yes, ego. Jane and her, Jane told me that Whenever that, whenever she played at CBGBs, you'd have to sit, sit at least ten or fifteen feet back because of the bad odor from PO. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, the good days. Yeah, Debbie was uh, Debbie Harry and Blondie were just playing in Glastonbury this weekend, so I think. Yes, I saw those pictures. Oh, she looked great. She's amazing. So that was that was quite something. I remember seeing her and Chris do a solo show in probably 1989, 1990 at the the UEA Norwich when they were doing a small tour, which was quite good. But um yeah. How amazing. wonderful. I yes. love Debbie. I can't rave enough about her. She um has always been very sweet and very I remember when they did the Escape from New York tour with the Ramones and everything and the Tom Pep Club. Uh, I was hanging out with all them, and Debbie was sitting at the bar with Joey and me and Gary Harris, and I think, and and I can't remember who else was there. And Debbie was like telling me about how she went to Piazzadora's birthday party and all that stuff. And then I ended up that I became friends with um e with uh Colleen Fitzpatrick, who was uh, who was um her daughter in um amber von tessel in hairspray and she was in a band called eve's plum and so i was able to connect debbie and her up together so they could and then i gave her debbie's phone number so they could get together and hang out and reacquaint themselves they hadn't seen each other since they did hairspray well, well and she ended up becoming vitamin c so and i love colleen she was very there's nothing like amber von tessel She's very down to earth, very shy. Yes, absolutely. No, it's a great movie. We love John Walters. Now, so when you when you went into the studio to record your, this was a single. Yeah, it was San Francisco. It had two tracks, didn't it? Bill Dakota and Bad in Bed. Um, this is when when you were doing this. Did you have the song completely rehearsed before entering the studio environment? Oh, well, we did it, but of course, you know, you have to do overdubs for um, vocals. And what you do is you go in and you um, do dry vocals, and then they, the, then the instruments come in and they play, and they've got solos to do and everything. It, it's a kind of a tedious thing for each song. Yes. And were you playing a lot more live than you were kind of spending time recording? Did we play live? Yeah, we played live. We used, we used to play like close to 200, 300 shows a, a year. <laughs> yes. It was just that because you got your first single came out with um, on Alternative Tentacles in sort of 1991. And then it was a few years later that you did your second one, which was Crawl For It, which was in well, on the sort of Desperate Attempt records. And there was like a th- bit of a three-year gap. So I just wondered if, if kind of being able to get into the studio and recording anything was a bit more of a palaver than um, it was. We did a thing called, uh, we did a, a thing, uh, another, 
another uh, release uh, on 206 Records up in Seattle. And then we've also released stuff on Triple X and uh, also it, that thing with the MDC for the Ukraine thing. And, uh, I, you know, I've we put out different uh, songs on different samples, you know, compilation CDs and stuff. Yes. And then I, we did something on Beer City. And I, I, I did a cover of Eat the Rich by Waterhead. Uh, and Lemmy played bass with us on it. <laughs> oh, which, because that was Beer City Records. Was that Rock on Sister Friend? Beer City, yeah, Rock on Sister Friend. Oh, dear old Lemmy. God, we love him so much, actually. Yes. And was that um, going into, because before that you did the album, you had, was it Joey was on the the releases yeah um, he, he did back up and i went a party right so as the 90s progressed how was the sort of the band you know developing and changing because there was a few lineup changes here and there weren't there oh uh, you know it's i lived in san francisco where it was really expensive to live each year i got as as it progressed on it got more expensive and uh it's hard to keep people in bands because they can't afford it because they have to pay rent and they have to work. And if you have to, if you want to tour and stuff, it's really hard, you know, to get people that, unless they've lived there for a long time and have kind of locked into a rent control thing, you know, to get it, to get out and go on the road. Yes, absolutely. Keeping it together is one of the great arts of our time. And did you, were you sort of developing other kind of interests or was the band mostly, you know, the thing that um, took your time 24-7? Well, as time went on, I realized that we kind of put things as far as how outrageous we were getting and stuff on stage, like stripping guys and riding them around on like ponies and stuff on stage. Kind of the, the way Psycho Sluts from Del Hell did it. I think the Lunatics did that too, with um getting Danny the Wonder Pony to wear a saddle and they ride him around the stage. I got lint from Rancid, the lead singer, Tim Armstrong, to get down on, four, on all fours, and I wrote him on stage. Excellent. That's, that's always and, a good one. And then we would get guys. Uh, I got Justin Timberlake once to strip for us, and and, and when the, road, the bodyguard tried to pull him off the stage, and like I knocked the bodyguard back and said, leave him alone. And so yeah, we, we were pulling down his pants and stuff. And it was like, there was this little thing there. And I was going, grow in the room, grow, grow. <laughs> oh, always and we good were too outrageous. I mean, we, yeah, yeah, of course, when most of the clubs like were cool about it. I, we played up in Eugene, or, uh in um, Kent, Washington, and they warned us. They said, "Male or female, you cannot show your breast on stage." And I was going, "Really?" And they were going, "Yeah." And so they said that Beck Naked and the Bare Bottom Boys had played there, and that they were like had plungers on them and stuff like that, and, and they got busted and charged five hundred dollars a piece for public indecency. So we didn't do that there. No. And then some of the clubs, like if you like, we played over in Corona, which was kind of a redneck Republican area. And when we would strip people there, the security guard would come and pull the guy's pants up and all that stuff and say, can't have nudity. And I go, no, we need more. I said, how about you taking your clothes off? And so, you know, it's, that was just kind of a little too crazy and it scared like commercial record companies from ever putting things out with us because we were too, too wild. Although Kurt Lutter described us as the B-52s on a bad acid trip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, interesting. Did you then at one stage um, sort of did the band sort of after 2000, did, did things kind of quieten down a bit with the band for, for a while? Well, I moved on to, I moved from San Francisco down to Los Angeles because of rent. And 
the building that I lived in got sold and the rent was just outrageous in 1998. And so I ended up moving down to San Francisco, from San Francisco to LA. And I had a band down here for four years and we toured Canada, we went to Japan, we went to all different places. And then I ended up uh, getting... My old band that was that had played with me before, up in San Francisco, they ended up coming back and playing with me. And I was down here, and they were up in the Bay Area. So I hurt myself. I burned. I burned myself on the pavement and got a pavement burn with this huge. I have three inches of surgery on my leg because of the burn that I got. I ended up. Uh, they ended up closing down Hollywood Boulevard from Argyle to Vermont, which is like a two-mile radius, with no um, traffic going in between from Sunset to Franklin. So you couldn't even drive through or anything. You had to walk. And I ended up having an appointment, and and I decided to try to walk it, but they were having a, a parade there, and they ended up all these swarms of people and horses foaming at the mouth from dehydration. And I ended up sitting down at a bus stop and was drinking hot water, I remember. And the next thing I knew, I was getting poured ice all over me. And uh, and uh, I was in the hospital, and I had a 105 temperature, or 108 temperature. I was dehydrated, and I had to have all these, like, intravenous for dehydration and all that stuff. And I had to have surgery, and I, it was terrible, so I haven't been able to play very much. I've gotten up on stage and sang with MDC to that song, John Wayne is a Nazi, and Chicken Squawk. And yes. then I've pl played with Josie Cotton and uh, with Betty Blowtorch. So when did that um, incident accident happen that you got burnt on the pavement? Was that um... Um, that was in? It was on my boyfriend's birthday, September fifth, twenty twenty two, and oh, wow. um, he was he was the weather guy for ABC um, for um, AGO. His name is Alex Cheney. He was like twenty eight years old. <laughs> And they kept asking me the magazine. I did a magazine, and I asked him to do a quote for the for the uh, for the anniversary. And I, he said, "How old is it?" And I said, "44." And he goes, "God, you are old, aren't you?" And, I was going, and he goes, "You could be my mother." And I go, "Well, I go." I said, "But you have fun, and we go out, and we hang out, and you have no problem." with anything else that you do i said so what's what's why are you hung up about age age is a number and it, it was funny because he didn't realize it, that i started the magazine in 1978 and that it was like 44 years old then and uh and but he thought i was 44 <laughs> <laughs> yes. so that was funny it, it's it's the, the it, I took him to see Blondie because oh they're doing a Miley Cyrus cover and I go what and he goes one way or another Miley Cyrus does that and I go no she's doing a Debbie Harry cover and this is the original yes. he never even you know he didn't know Blondie uh, he, he didn't know Motorhead he knew the Ramones. He didn't have bands like that, but he did take me to see Real Big Fish. Oh my God, I love them! They do a great song oh, called yes. Beer. He, yes. He, he had been going to see. He liked that kind of music, so I got to meet them, and I heard that. I heard all that. You know, they. I love the cover that they do by Poison. That ain't about good thing. Ain't nothing but a good thing, baby. I spend my money on wine and women. You can't tell you what I've Then I like that song. I like, ain't so nothing but a good thing. And then I like I take on me. That's the, the aha song that oh, they did. Classic. We love that so much. So, so yes, I you, like Real Big Fish. They're very talented. 
Yes, I like that kind of punky scar sound. Did you um so this is are you talking about the magazine Punk Globe magazine? Is this yes online at www.punkglobe.com and we just got the um it just got, you know, like uh, edited and kind of getting ready to post in July first, but I was sending out things and there were some mistakes in it. I had uh, said a guy named Mark Duda had been in a motorcycle accident. It wasn't a motorcycle accident. It was a where he had a a, a freak fall and ended up breaking his leg and having all the stuff done to it. And we've got a. I had an interview with um, Hyper Drive Kid and, and with a teen star. He was in a TV show called California Dreams. His name is Brittley Gore. And um, he's really, he's older now. He's like, he's no longer a teen, but he still gets recognized for being on that show. Yes. Kind of like Blair from The Facts of Life. <laughs> right. Yes, nice one. Oh, did you get the facts of life over there? No, we haven't actually. Um, the facts of life are about these girls that were going to um a, a boarding school and staying, and they were uh, and uh, Alan Thick wrote the theme song for one of the verses is, and when the world and when the world doesn't seem to be living up to your dream, suddenly you're finding out the facts of life are all about you, all about you. <laughs> That's the way it was with, the, with the getting you on the phone. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So that's your kind of main kind of focus. Is, that's is what the... I'm doing right now is doing the magazine. Right. And is that something that's been quite... How many issues do you bring out a year? From 1978 to 223. Right. God. Is it monthly? And having you... a 27-year-old boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to... Um, yes. Good to, <laughs> good to be... The yeah, that's... Me, the better the treat. <laughs> yes. Well, at least, at least he doesn't groan every time he sits down or get up from the chair, which is something that we do when we get to a certain age, which is... No, that's me. I know. <laughs> no, that's I me. I, 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 I was on the stage to get the uh, Real Big Fish show. Yes. It wasn't him that stage drive. No. So do you... So do you not print it, but put it online monthly or yeah it... we did print uh we did print up until um like the late in the late 90s and then i ended up or into the 90s and then we went online and did it that we had a web person put it on first i had it on yahoo.com and then i had it on uh Oh, oh, a different thing. And now I'm with HostGator, but HostGator goes down. Or, or, or there's problems with it. Sometimes it goes down, and it's because it, the company down in Texas sold it, and they sold it to a conglomeration who you know goes to, who supports all those football and baseball games and all that crap. So. Right. Yes. Well, that's so fascinating. And has it been over the years? Have you sort of noticed kind of different kind of moments where it's quite popular, less popular, back to being very popular again? Well, it depends on who's in it. I mean, I've I've had some really good interviews. We I've interviewed Crispin Glover. I've interviewed um, John Hawks. From you know, the, he was in three billboards, and he was a bandmate with Brentley, so Brentley. So um, that's the reason I have Brentley in the magazine. And Brentley is a nice kid; he's a nice boy. Um, and then I um, got um, I've interviewed Margaret Chow and E.B. Buell, Jane County, um, Gary Vanilla, all kinds of different people like that. Yes, it's amazing. So on Todd the Rundgren, um Liv Tyler. Nice. Like like her. Did you with the band, is it something that is just kind of always there? You don't sort of think that's it, I'll never do the band again, or is it still No, it's just that I have not been able to do it because of my leg. Right. Uh, it's stiff and I've got a big 
like wound on my leg and that I still got to wash and, and moisturize to get rid of it. They told me it was going to be a year and they said it was going to, that, that where I got the uh, skin grafted, that it was going to, that was within months, it was going to back normal. And I still read marks. <laughs> wow. Is it because you, did you say you were on the, on the pavement itself and it sort of, what happened is that I was drinking hot, well, I had iced tea, I mean, ice cold water. Yes. And by the time I'd gotten to where I sat down, the water became um, became hot. So basically, it was like eating, drinking hot tea. And what happened is that I ended up um, drinking um that and uh i ended up i was sitting in a bus stop and i passed out and how i passed out that was from having a heat stroke and um how i passed out was that i i my leg hit the sidewalk and there was a big burn and my friend from ncis polly perrette saw it and she goes that's not a that's not a burn. That's a muffler burn from a motorcycle or some sort of exhaust where you near a bus or something. And I was going, no. And then she goes, are you sure? And I said, no, I don't think so. And then, so, and then, and and then, so when I went in to the, for surgery and I go, my friend Polly thinks that I I couldn't, she said it's a muffler burn and they were going, that's a pavement burn. Right. And it was from hitting, being the sun hitting the sidewalk, and that's where it burned it. Oh, that is so painful. And then I ended up going to the doctor, and the doctor told me not to put any gauze or anything over it, and it got infected. And I had to go in to emergency operation, and uh, it was horrible. But I went into the Grossman Burn Center, which is where Jay Leno, Michael Jackson, and um, that that one that went out with um, was married to, or hung out with Steve Martin and with Ellen DeGeneres, that, and whatever her name is, she got surgery there, and right, uh, and uh, and uh, Michael Jackson, and I think they did Richard Pryor there at that. Oh well, this is yes. all before me, but this yes. is like Jay Leno was after me, but <laughs> Jay Leno. when he got burned at the you know the motorcycle thing. Yes, absolutely. God, well, I hope you hope it recovers sometime this year. But um... yeah, well, Gay's ex told me that it took him five years to to recover from a burn. Right. God, that's um. Yes. Blimey, that must have been the biggest shock of your life, really. So, on... oh, it was terrible. I was, I had, I was in the hospital for an entire month. Yes, I would imagine. And um... and now, just recently, I've had my our mailbox was getting busted into like three or four times throughout the last couple of months. It was just somebody would come in and rip all throughout the area they were doing it and ripping open mailboxes and and stealing mail and I ended up missing mail and all that stuff. It's been one one problem after another. And then I tried getting a, a mailbox thing and at the post office and they went close to 200 or $200, $225 for a mailbox rental there. I mean, God, I could pay rent with that somewhere else. So I ended up getting one for like a hundred bucks at uh, Staples where they have it locked up for security and stuff. And yes. God, that's, um, that's just to make life even more frustrating. When you look at oh, the, tell me, I oh, know it's not good, but with your with your sort of the back catalog with your catalogue of recording, is there any particular song that you think you know? If anybody said, "Look, which is your what what record would you you know recommend more than any others?" What would it be? Well, um, the um, crawl for it, uh, 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 the. Uh, uh, it's raw. It's raw, but you live for it. Is is a fun album uh, right. from songs. Um, the um, MDC thing with Hey Nick. 
and also we're on the hearing the hearer and benefit compilation and uh oh excuse me and i've gotten with other star people and motor christ and stuff like texas terry and people like that are on it and um we have hey nick and that too hey nick is really a good song you can oh. find it on youtube all of it, most of our stuff is up on youtube Yes, have you? Catalog- and we're doing that documentary with one uh, with um, One Finger Films. Mark and the guy uh, Mark does the covers for the Punk Globe, and his uh, friend who also does our coding and stuff for the magazine online. The guy uh, there were they they are putting together and there's segments of um, Cherry Vanilla and Brian from TMZ and. Matt Asner and Ed Asner from Mary Tyler Moore Show and uh, who else is on there? Um, Holly from MC from um, NCIS, um, Vanessa from Pylon, uh, Harry, and I think we got Debbie Harry on there. And um, who else? Do? There are a lot of people. BB Buell. There right. are all kinds of people there, and Louie from the drummer or the drummer from Las Lobos, the son Louis Perez, and he's a tattoo artist, and he's he, he he's on it. Dave from MDC, and all yes. kinds of people are on it. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be very good. So, what's um? So, sort of looking ahead, you know, you got the magazine. Is there any more sort of ideas of going into the studio again um well of course i'd like to go into the studio when i can i mean i I, we're now thinking about getting some shows together up north in san francisco and uh (coughs) the bands help for it it's just like um pardon me i want to make sure that i'm able to travel you know without my leg is stiff, and it's kind of hard to move. If I can move, I can walk. I think, thank God for that. I mean, I'm alive. I could be dead. So uh, so I could be saying, when you pretend that you're dead and they can't hear a word that you said. Yes. Uh, I love L7, and I love Betty Bloater. So my two big influences as far as female. Uh, I like all women that rock. Well, the chicks are good, too. Yes. I don't know if you know who they are. Yes, I do. I've sort of done a few interviews with the Lunar Chicks. So, um, oh, good. Yes. I love babysitters on acid. I know. Where's my baby? Well, why don't you go go, go take a look? My God, she's been cooked. (laughs) I ain't leaving without getting paid. (laughs) Who else? I know. Who else would you sort of recommend as being worth you know, or good to sort of feature as well? You must have an amazing array of, you know, people in your mind that you think that would be a brilliant person to interview. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I've done Julie Brown that did Earth Girls Are Easy, and uh, we interviewed her and. Judy Tenuta, I like comedians a lot, Margaret Cho, people like that. And, um, uh, I, you know, uh, Jim Rose from J- Jim Rose, we're old friends. Uh, Courtney Love, I've interviewed. They're all kinds of, and Roddy from Faith No More and Billy from Faith No More. And I even interviewed Ed Asner. I don't know if you, if you remember the Mary Tyler Moore show, but he was Lou Grant. <laughs> right. And he, he he was my Bernie Sanders, very liberal and very yes. cool and a Democrat. Yes, interesting, interesting. I mean, if you could have whispered something to your, like, 16-year-old self starting out in this interesting world, is there any top tips you would have given them, you know, that... Um, is there any wife? Pardon? I, what did you say? I couldn't hear. I said, if you were able to give somebody some, you know, if you could give your 16 year old self some worldly wisdom after, you know, like all the years that you have, your decades, 
you've been sort of living, is there anything in particular you would sort of whisper in their ear, even if they ignored it, but you'd have thought, no, I'd love to just tell them this this little, you know, worldly, a bit of advice? Well, um, I don't know. You know, uh, my main person that, that, that I, you know, would be like Joey, Ramon, because he supported me. So I would whisper, thank you for being there and helping us out. Um, you know, Polly Perrette has been very good, very helpful with me from NCIS. NCIS. And so you know, there, those are the people that I look, look up to and have admiration for. Beauty people love Tyler. They're all friends, close friends. So, yes. And I was just, yeah, because I was just wondering if if you if you had some advice that you would sort of want to give your sixteen year old self that you thought, oh, that would have been handy to know. <laughs> well, I I think it would be uh, it, it it would be what I put in in the magazine every every month. It's kind and uh, you better watch out. Uh, you better watch out for whose to, for whose toes that you're stepping on now because they may be attached to the ass you'll be kissing later. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I like that one, actually. Yes. Nice. Well, look, Ginger, thank you ever so much for giving me the time for this. I'm, I'm so sorry pleased. for all the problems that we had getting this thing started, but I think it's been an interesting interview. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, yes, I mean, these things happen, but it was it wasn't for that long, so that was all right. Um, yeah. And luckily, we got there in the end. And, it's and you amazing. guys can hear me. Hello, hello. <laughs> I know, and it's all on your iPhone, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, which I do think is amazing. It's um, the technology on one level. Is... Do you have an iPhone too? Yes, I do. So, um, oh, it's nice, but... and then the mics are good, and you can hear good. Even the thing with the WhatsApp app, with the WhatsApp app, I had to put it on a microphone for it to hear. But... Oh yeah, because I'll never have you when you do your interviews. Do you normally use WhatsApp then? You see, I I've never done I've done it on the iPhone once before with Tara, and when Tara called me, she called me through the WhatsApp thing, and I was able to do it, and she could hear it because she has a, a radio show on Reverb, Reverb in Brighton, I think. I think yes, that's Brighton. right. And uh, she she has a radio show on there, and she's done interviews with me there. So, yeah, I just wondered how she would record it. That's the one thing that I was um, kind of... Um, I think she used her cell phone, and and, uh, and uh, she... I don't know how she attached it. Or she had a, I think what you can do, the WhatsApp thing, you can record on it, and it goes onto your phone. Yes, I wonder if she's got um some sort of little yeah. Bit. I would probably do a, a you know a Google search and see how that's done. But this this works, so I'm glad. Yes, <laughs> Even I'm... though it took me a while to unmute the mic. <laughs> I know this is this is all good. But look, thank you ever so much. I'm going to go to bed thank soon. Thank you. And but thank you ever so much. Meeting and... and speaking with you. And remember, keep it raw. <laughs> I will, and I'll, I will look out for your magazine as well. It looks fantastic. Yes, um, the new issue, the new issue, uh, April issue with uh, Steve from um, UK Subs is on uh, is up now. The April issue with uh, I met him through Jamie Oliver. Uh, we played with. I love. Um, What's his face? Uh, Charlie Harper. <laughs> and we did we did a cover of the Time Warp, and he came. He said, "I've always wanted to do the time. I've always wanted to do that as a cover." And then I was in backstage, and I was telling Jamie had blue hair and stuff. We were talking about that because I had blue hair too. And and then he was like, "We were we were talking about what colors that we use and everything." And then I said, "I heard that Charlie told me he wants to do a cover of the Time Warp." Over my dead body, I would not do the time work. But we do, we do a really, you know, we do a really fun version of it and a wild one. And uh, we change some of the uh, some of the words around about. Uh, do, can you swear on here? Yes, that's absolutely fine. Oh, we do a, we do a, in the words uh, about. Oh, fantasy free me, so you can't see me in another in another 
direction uh, with voyeuristic impression, voyeuristic, uh, voyeuristic or something, and then I got it's a bit of a time slip. You did the time trip, and nothing will ever be the same. It's like a shot of sensation that you're under sedation, and when Ono Rider steals all, and then it goes. What's that's you? The time warp again. It's just a jump to the left, step to the right. Put your hands on your knees, pull your knees, put your hands on your hips, pull your knees in tight. It's kind of like fuck, and it really drives you insane. Yeah, 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 yeah. And let's see the time warp again. <laughs> nice. It's it's all it's all very good. Yes, because Jamie's in a band with um called Ultra. And we do a cover of Shitless too by All Seven. Nice, yes, because he was in the. Um, they'd just been on a tour with Ultra Bomb, who features Greg Norton from Huskadoo fame. Oh, Jamie is uh, J- Jamie's in Ultra Bomb. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And then they've got the guy uh, 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 from the Mahones. That's it. Yes, Finny. So, uh, Finny, that's the yeah. man. So yeah, good band, good band. But look, I'll let you groove. But thank you ever so much. This has been amazing. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, take care and have a lovely day. You too. Thank you. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye. And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview, as you gathered. Anyway, a massive thank you to Ginger Coyote for giving me the time for that interview. And um, if you want to know any more information, go to her Facebook page or Instagram page. I will probably give you the links below. Um, A massive thank you. This has been the C86 Show. I'm David East. So if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just do C86 Show. Keep it groovy, positive and all that other stuff. Um, And also all these interviews have been archived on Spotify. Indeed, they have. Anyway, you can find those. um, Just do C86 Show on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam, and you'll find them, all of them millions. Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe.